Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM Progress. I'm John Fugelsang. Welcome to the night spot here on channel 127 tell me everything the little show at the corner of what the hell o'clock and welcome back it's good to have you here i hope you've had a good weekend i hope you've had a good day that's public enemy the best house band we've ever had and we're the next three hours we've got a really great show for you guys thank you dino badala for doing an excellent lead-in show our producers executive producer chris Hauselt is running this beast as only he can from the south carolina bureau the great thea harper is about 20 feet away from me but don't worry she's got a few layers of protective glass separating us yes it is monday night it's my first day back in the sirius xm studios in the howard stern tower 267 floors high above gotham and this building is empty. Oh, my God, it's empty. It's 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 as empty as the Vivek Ramaswamy booth at, at, at Burning Man. It's empty. No one, no one here but me and Ms. Harper. However, we've got some good guests coming up tonight who will be joining us and really, I think, tripling the population of this entire floor. We're going to be talking with one of the best journalists in America, Bob Henley, who we talked to a lot about labor, and we talked to Bob a lot about 9-11. We've, over the years, Bob has shared many incredible stories about the struggle for justice, the struggle for health coverage for the first responders on 9-11. He has been a reporter's reporter covering the beat for many labor newspapers. We're really thrilled to have uh, a true New York journalist, Bob Henley, here with us tonight. Also, uh, in hour number two, we're going to be having a great panel of comedian Rhonda Hanson, comedian Frank Vignola, and our good friend, journalist Nita Khan, who is a terrific Muslim journalist and a terrific woman journalist and just a terrific damn journalist period and all night long as always our most important guest is you guys 866-997-4748 my name is john fugelsang i'm really happy to be with you there's a lot going on in the news as you know rescuers in morocco have been using their bare hands to dig through the rubble for more survivors of friday's devastating earthquake a total of 2,681 people have been known to die 
in the quake. It's the deadliest quake to hit Morocco in 60 years. Meanwhile, as many as 2,000 people are feared dead after a horrible storm in Libya brought extreme flooding to coastal towns. In the midst of all this, the drama back here never lets up. New Mexico Governor Michelle Lewin Grisham, who joined us on stage for the Sexy Liberal Show once, she just ordered a temporary freeze on open and concealed carry in her state, citing the epidemic of gun violence in Albuquerque. And admittedly, uh, as you can imagine, the right wing flipped out about it. But you know what? It might be unconstitutional what she's trying to do, but she is starting a dialogue about it where no one else would. North Korean President Kim Jong-un is visiting Russia at Putin's request. Things have gotten so bad that Putin now has to have his hat in his hand to beg for military supplies from Kim. The FDA has approved updated COVID vaccines, which is a big step in getting the new shots into Americans as early as this week for all the new variants. But, of course... We're all thinking about the anniversary of today. And for the next few hours, we'll be talking quite a bit about the anniversary of today. Not in a maudlin way. Uh, There's plenty to get fired up about. And there's plenty that is there to remind us that 9-11 is not an ancient event. It might feel far away for some of y'all. And for young people, it might be like Pearl Harbor was for many people. Just something that happened decades before I was born. But it's still happening. It's still in progress. People who are still struggling with the effects, the trauma of being there that day, people who are still struggling with health issues from working at Ground Zero, people who still grieve the loved ones they lost, people who still had to be deployed to Iraq, where the suffering and grief of a nation was exploited cynically by a horrible president and cabinet to invade a country that had never actually attacked us. Those people, and the up to a million people that were killed in Iraq, by our bombs, those people are also victims of the violence that hit this city that we are broadcasting to you from that day, 22 years ago. And you want proof that it's still, for many, a very contemporary issue? New York medical officers, 22 years later, are still working to identify about 40% of the human remains from the World Trade Center. Last week, um, Just before we were getting ready to commemorate this anniversary, the medical examiner's office said they have identified two more victims of the attack, which killed at least 2,753 people. A good friend of mine lost her husband that day. And months later, months later, she had a knock on her door one day. They had found a tiny piece of a human shin bone, and DNA testing had revealed it was my friend's husband. So for many people that never got to bury a piece of their loved ones. 9-11 is still a very current event. Here's a clip of Joe Biden today remarking on the long reach of grief several decades removed from 9-11-01. A1. While every year we mark this hallowed day, it's never easy. To anyone here or anyone across the country who's grieving the lost child, parent, spouse, sibling, friend, or coworker. To all those who still bear the wounds from the Syrian September morning, I know how hard it is on a day like this. How can we reopen that moon? It's like opening a black hole in your chest, sucking you into it again, bringing you back to that moment when you saw the news, the moment you got that phone call, the moment you realized you'd never say again, see you later, Mom. Or talk to you soon, son. Think of everything your loved one might have done if they had a little more time. What would they have done? 
Now, the one thing I remember very clearly, and I remember many things, I knew people who died that day. And my apartment in New York, I wasn't in New York that day, but my apartment in New York was right up the street from those towers. By the time we drove back cross country, we made it in 60 hours with two speeding tickets across the country to get back to New York. The towers were still smoking by the end of the week. Everyone's going to be sharing their memories of it. But one thing I remember is how we were told to get behind President Bush. And don't politicize the tragedy. You remember that? We heard that a lot of... Listen, we have to get behind our president and don't politicize what happened that day. Those same people cheered President Bush when he politicized the tragedy to torture people and invade the wrong country. But again, don't politicize it. We And they, they still say it. Don't politicize it. The same people who after 9-11 wanted extra security at the airports to profile Muslims, to have electronic surveillance on Americans without warrants, who wanted more drone violence, the same people who defended torture, the same people who defended invading Iraq, which had never attacked us. Don't politicize it. And they'll say, well, we had to do those things. After 9-11, it was all to save American lives. Oh, Oh, well, in that case, you, you support taking uh, extraordinary measures if it's going to protect American lives. Uh, can we can we have universal health care to save American lives? The same access to care as every single one of our capitalist allies. Have? No, that's communism. OK, well, how about if we wear masks in crowded places during a plague that's killing one nine worth of Americans every day? Is that OK to save lives? No, masks are tyranny. <laughs> you get it. You know the hypocrisy and they still rhapsodize it. Why can't we go back to 912 America? Oh, Glenn Beck does this all the time. Remember 912 when we were all unified? Well, we can't go back. And they don't mean it. And we knew they didn't mean it after Benghazi. Remember, Benghazi happened on September 11th as well. They exploited 91101 to attack Iraq. Then they exploited 91112 to attack Barack. The people telling you not to politicize it are the ones who have politicized it. And in 2023, our Republican friends, I don't hear any calls to come together. Why not calls for unity and stand behind our president on the 22nd anniversary? Because they never meant it in the first place. No calls for unity. No respect for the commander in chief on this day. Fox News was attacking Joe Biden all day. Peter Ducey, right wing activist Tulsi Gabbard. They, all of them were all over because he was in Alaska on 9-11 and he didn't go to ground zero. Oh, he broke tradition. Did you hear that all day? Fox News all day was talking about how Joe Biden's broken tradition by not going to ground zero. Senator Roger Marshall was on Fox Business saying Biden being in Alaska is not a way to celebrate 911. Douchebag, no one should celebrate 911, you idiot. Uh, our friend Jimmy Fallon over there across the street on, uh, on Fox Business on Kennedy's show. He was criticizing Biden for being in Alaska rather than going to memorial services in New York City all over the place. In the Daily Caller. Joe Biden's 9-11 Alaska trip is a slap in the face to the state and the nation. Leonard Green had an op-ed in the Daily News. Alaska? Really? President Biden should be in NYC to commemorate 9-1-1. They're so mad at Joe Biden for not going to New York. They're so mad at Joe Biden for doing his job in Vietnam. And then after Vietnam, Biden flew to Alaska to make those remarks at a military base in Anchorage. He's on his way back from the G20 in Asia. He spent the day with service members at a base, and he also commented on his recent whirlwind trip of Asia and the G20 summit. I'm just returning from the G summit, the G20 summit in India. 
where we strengthen America's leadership on the global stage, followed by a historic trip to Vietnam, where we transformed our partnership in one of the most critical regions in the world. These trips are a central part of how we're going to ensure the United States is flanked by the broadest array of allies and partners who will stand with us and deter any threat to our security. To build a world that is safer for all of our children, something that today of all days we're reminded of is not a given. Again, th- this is the president the Republicans keep saying is feeble and can't function on his own. And as a dementia patient, even Peter Ducey pointed out that Biden in Vietnam has been, quote, has been basically working all through the night, the equivalent of an all night or Eastern time. So he's probably pretty tired, pretty jet lagged. And he probably was. He's 80 years old. And yet he worked all night, flew to Alaska and was there today. And by the way, Vice President Harris was here in New York at the National September 11th Museum and Memorial. Jill Biden was laying a wreath at the National 9-11 Pentagon Memorial. And her husband, Doug Emhoff, marked the anniversary at the Flight 93 National Memorial Observant Wreath Laying Ceremony in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. I remember when it was the 20-year anniversary in 2021, how uh, Donald Trump decided to honor the day with different stops, like going to a New York police precinct where they cheered him. New York Times ran a piece back then. Where was Trump on 9-11? Not at ground zero. On this 9-11, yeah, we, we're, we're still divided and we're still wounded. We're still suffering from the effects of 9-11 and we're still suffering from the January 6th attack. Yes, the terrorism attack, if you're going by the dictionary, against our freedoms. You know, the greatest lie George W. Bush ever told, maybe the greatest lie, next to Saddam has WMDs, the greatest lie was that we were attacked for our freedoms. (laughs) Even bin Laden said that wasn't the case. But we were attacked for our democracy on January 6th to steal the votes of 81 million people. And we're still bleeding as a nation from that. But all day long, all day, why wasn't Biden at at, at ground zero on 9-11? Well, why wasn't Trump? I went through the four years of Trump's presidency. Uh, In 2017, he went to the Pentagon. In 2018, he went to Shanksville, Pennsylvania. In 2019, Trump was at the Pentagon. In 2020, Trump was at Shanksville, Pennsylvania. In 2020, Joe Biden running for office was in New York City. In 2021, Biden as the president for the 20 year anniversary was in New York City and Shanksville and the Pentagon. In 2022, last year, Biden was at the Pentagon. Where is this breaking tradition bullshit come through? Donald Trump never once, never once hauled his enormous Big Mac laden fat ass to ground zero during his presidency. Folks, George Harrison said, as long as you hate, there will be people to hate. And that's true of terrorists. And it's true of politicians who have nothing to run on except fear and smear. And as long as we're on the subject of Donald Trump, the people defending him, let's not forget his lies. He said he had hundreds of friends who died that day. That wasn't true. And he never attended a single funeral. Not one. I'll tell you this. Giuliani, for all of his flaws and sins, went to a tons of funerals. Trump, not one. Donald Trump lied that he had sent 125 workers to help with rescue and recovery. Not, nothing of the sort. Donald Trump lied that he helped clear rubble himself. And of course, Donald Trump lied that he saw thousands of Muslims cheering in Jersey City. In fact, when a New York Times uh, reporter would not back up that lie, Donald Trump mocked the man's disability. Donald Trump took $150,000 in relief funds for his rescue employees, but he actually took it for his undamaged properties. He ripped off 9-11 funds and bragged on TV 
that he now has the tallest building in lower Manhattan. Yes, never forget, today is the 22nd anniversary of Donald Trump boasting, as the buildings were still smoking, that his little tower was now the biggest. So, look, I'm not trying to play into the divisions. I'm trying to call out the hypocrisy. But how could we be united again? Well, I have a little idea that maybe, just maybe, there is a way it could happen. You know, Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, you know him. He's once again decreasing oil production. He and the OPEC cartel are deliberately cutting oil production to keep gas prices high. We will have higher gas prices again next year because Saudi Arabia is rigging it to hurt Joe Biden. Because Saudi Arabia owns Donald Trump and wants him back. Last year, the FBI released a declassified document from 2016 related to their investigation that showed Saudi hijackers had received heavy support from Saudi government officials. Yeah, did I mention Saudi hijackers? Because 15 of the 19 hijackers were Saudi, as was bin Laden. Saudi Arabia did 9-11. They did Donald Trump. They did Jared Kushner. And right now they're doing Elon Musk pretty hard. Brett Eagleson, a founder of 9-11 Justice, said, were it not for the support these hijackers receive from the Saudi government, 9-11 would never have happened. So how, how, how has the Republican Party responded? Well, 30 Republicans voted against legislation that provided compensation to the victims of 9-11 and their family members. House Republicans voted against legislation that provided medical monitoring and treatment to the World Trade Center first responders. You know, you've seen Jon Stewart angry about that. Donald Trump chose Saudi Arabia as his first presidential foreign trip. He provided over 4,000 American troops, fighter jets, and missile defense weaponry to defend Saudi Arabia, the country that founded 9-11. And Donald Trump has taken millions of dollars from the Saudi royal family, hosting the Live Golf Tournament at his shitty resorts, where the winners are given a trophy that is just, it's just a mockery to the families who lost someone that day. And of course... And Prince MBS boasted about getting CIA intelligence from Jared Kushner. So, you know, maybe, just maybe, we could convince our Republican friends to blame the Saudis. I know they don't want to do that. They want to blame Joe Biden. They want to, but like, they'll blame everyone except those who empower the Saudis. And George W. Bush kissed their ring. He flew the entire bin Laden family out of the country right away. Jared Kushner got $2 billion from them. And now the Saudis own the PGA and Trump hosts them. Trump said last year when Liv played at a shitty course, he said, nobody has gotten to the bottom of 9-11, unfortunately, and they should have. No, we, we know who was behind it. We know who did it. And we know why the Saudis gave Kushner $2 billion, because he shared intel with them. And he requested more classified docs than any White House official who wasn't in the NSC. That's why they're slashing world production to hurt Americans at the pump and re-elect to the office Donald Trump. The Trumps are in bed with the people who financed the 9-11 terrorists. They own a huge chunk of Twitter. You know that. They, they, they bought the biggest refinery in Texas. Saudis have water rights in Arizona. And of course, don't forget the brutal murder of Jamal Khashoggi, the journalist. And Trump gave Prince MBS a pass for murdering him. The families, by the way, released an ad that criticized Trump for working with the Live Golf. As well they should. But think about it. If we could get right-wing people and left-wing people together to finally start blaming Saudi Arabia and demanding some justice, even if that meant we have to drive electric cars. I mean, they're going to be gouging you at the pump. They funded an attack on your country, and they get conservatives to blame everybody but them. But really, this issue could unite the two groups of Americans that almost never see eye to eye, the people who care about facts and the racists. Think about it. They have the bill. 
the, the bipartisan push to revisit the 2016 law that allowed victims' families to sue Saudi Arabia. That became law in 2016 after Congress overrode a veto by Obama. And over the years, the different judges have said, well, it, they're not sure because the bill is trying to undo sovereign immunity. <laughs> but it's bipartisan senators who are supporting this. John Cornyn and Bob Menendez in the Senate. Jerry Nadler and uh, Republican Jeff Van Drew in the House. We could do it. We could get right and left to come together and start pointing the finger where it still hasn't been officially pointed yet. Maybe, just maybe, we could get to the bottom of it. Terry Strada, the national chair of the 9-11 Families United, said that she wants to see the Biden administration clarify where it stands on this proposal to correct the 2016 law. But remember, 22 years ago today, America was attacked by zero Iraqis, zero Iranians, and zero Afghans. In the meantime, I'm going to remember the firemen who ran up those stairs and never came home. I'm going to remember the cops and the EMTs, the people on the plane, and the people in the buildings, and the first responders who've gotten sick and died at alarming rates after being falsely told it was safe to go back to ground zero. Their names should be included as victims of the attack as well. I leave you with a quote from Leonard Bernstein. It was written on a wall in the East Village of New York, and I saw it not long after. And you don't have to be a musician for this to apply to you. But it's always been the way I have viewed 9-11, when Mr. Bernstein said, this will be our response to violence, to make music more intensely, more beautifully, more devotedly than ever before. We'll be right back with the great Bob Henley on Sirius XM. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on, because you know I love it when you do. And welcome back with a reminder, any show that says Happy 9-11 is not a good show. I'm John Fugel saying it's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, before we introduce Bob Henley, special surprise, um, the great and lovely and very funny Rhonda Handsome got here early. Rhonda, welcome. 
I'm black, y'all. Thank God. How are you, Queen? Fantastic. I'm really glad you're here. I I love when you come in early on Mondays. We got to do this more often. I I love it, too. It's it's like a a whole ghost town here that I'm invading. It's it's so creepy here. It's it's like The Shining. There's a child in a big wheel in the hallway going around in circles. (laughs) Red room. Red room. I'm glad you're here for uh, Mr. Henley because, as you know, Rudy Giuliani's not having a very good summer, Miss Rhonda. There's no way he could. Uh, Criminal charges in the coup attempt. And then last week, um, the federal judge ruled that he is liable for defaming Georgia election workers Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss. Um, It seems like he's finally being held accountable. And that's where uh, Mr. Henley comes in. Now, I'm I'm so glad you're here for Bob because Bob is one of the best journalists in the business. He's an award-winning investigative reporter during a 40-year career, has covered public policy from economy to corruption, the homeland security to environmental policy, immigration, and more. He was senior reporter at WNYC for 12 years. And you may have read his stuff or seen him everywhere from the New York Times to the Miami Herald, 60 Minutes, C-SPAN, and Salon. Bob Henley, welcome back. It's a pleasure to have you on this day. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm I'm really thrilled to talk about this new piece you have that's in Raw Story and elsewhere, Rudy Giuliani and 9-11, the killer cloud that keeps killing. But before we even I, I even ask you about it, I just want to thank you for all you've done over the years to draw attention and shine your spotlight on the struggles of these workers. It's one thing for a celebrity like Jon Stewart to come out and do it, but you have been there on the beat calling people out for two decades now. And um, and I just want to thank you for all your service. Well, it is an honor and a privilege. I think uh, working at the chief leader I was for a number of years, which is like the civil service paper of record, it's if you want to advance yourself is where you read about what jobs are being posted. And our motto is if you're smarter than the boss, take the test. <laughs> and, um, thousands and thousands of folks uh, answered the call of service uh, on 9-11 and, and hundreds of thousands of people went about living their lives in lower Manhattan and Brooklyn uh, in the midst of what was a, a toxic waste site. But mm. at the time, and this is well documented, the EPA uh, administrator, Christy Todd Whitman, uh, under duress from the White House, as an inspector general report would find a couple of years later, said the air was safe to breathe. Yeah. And uh, Mayor Giuliani went along with that. And uh, as the inspector general report uh, concluded in 2003, this was done because the Bush administration felt that the top priority had to be keeping the continuity of global commerce and opening up Wall Street as a consequence. You mean reopen uh, America, reopen America, even if there's a public health hazard? Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. And we're dealing with that legacy with over 120,000 people in the World Trade Center Health Program. Um, and while survive, first responders are like 90% of them are signed up, there are literally you know tens of thousands of individuals, many of them young people, who are ordered back into schools uh, in the in the hot zone yeah. that have a long time shadow hanging over them and may not even be aware of it. I'll never forget how the air smelled in that neighborhood, in that area, in the week and, and in the weeks after, and, and just the amount of, of, of dust and, and concrete that would have been crushed that was in the air. As you point out in the piece, there are currently over 125,000 first responder and civilian survivors enrolled in the 9-11 World Trade Center Health Program. Over 33,000 first responders have one or more cancers. Right. And we've come to a a very uh, sobering milestone. 343 FDN1 firefighters died in 
in the collapse and the attack on the day. And I believe the latest number is 341 have passed as a consequence of the occupational exposure. Mm. Perhaps one of the things I've been most concerned about is as a consequence of the way the 9-11 World Trade Center health program was set up by the government, first responders have as a matter of right, and no one begrudges them that, an annual health screening, whereas civilian survivors, and John, that includes many civil servants who had to go to work in lower Manhattan in that portion of Brooklyn that's in the toxic zone. Uh, There was no Zoom back then. And these folks are survivors, but they have to display symptoms before they can be in the program. And so that lag time creates a situation where it was only just earlier this year that female reproductive cancers like uterine cancer were recognized. And so that's one of the other things I'm trying to do in my work is uplift um, uh, the women that are trying to do this advocacy work, uh, like Lila Nordstrom, who is the senior at uh, Stuyvesant High School, which is right next door, um, and has written this marvelous book, um, some kids left behind. You should have her on sometime. She's an inspiration. Absolutely. I would, I would be very happy to um, make sure that we get her info. Um, uh, now, is it true, Bob, that th- even 22 years later, and after all the cleanup and after <laughs> all the suffering and all the funerals, that there's still a cachet of secret New York City records that document what the Giuliani administration knew at the time of the attack and in the weeks afterwards? Yes, and that was the thing that inspired the raw story reporting. Uh, I think even going back to Carolyn Maloney's tenure and and with uh, Jerry Nadler, um, this was in the de Blasio era. There was a letter written by these two members of Congress that had been really in the vanguard about this. I mean, to his credit, Congressman Nadler was skeptical from day one about the air quality. Mm-hmm. Um, they asked the city of New York, and in particular then the de Blasio administration, to release these files, which um, will give us a sense of what the city of New York knew and when they knew it about air quality. We know from the Inspector General report, which is hyperlinked in my raw story, that uh, they did find asbestos level tests that were three to four times the safe level. That was suppressed. So it's important to know. Deliberately suppressed. Right. And what we need to know is what did the uh, Giuliani administration know And when did they know it, particularly because it will help with the epidemiological work and the occupational exposure. And we can get our arms around, you know, and do our best to try to prolong the life of those folks who are struggling, many of them with terminal diagnoses. Now, Bob, I think it's great that in 2023, New York City is so progressive that we have an outpatient serving as mayor. Um, But what has Mayor Adams' response been to these requests for information about what the Julie administration, Julie administration? Originally, there was kind of an out and out refusal in the second iteration. When I asked again, it opened the door a little, but he is saying that he has to review them for potential liability and cost. And I'm sure that, you know, to me, that is kind of like, it gives me a sense of foreboding that they have information in there that will indeed confirm that the city made a calculated decision that there would be a certain number of deaths and that it was worth doing. I will tell you that the betrayal, I mean, the American people were were victimized twice. They were victimized by the terrorists, of course, who weaponized civilian airliners, and then they were victimized by their own government that put commerce over the lives and well-being of hundreds of thousands of people. And that credibility problem haunts them to this day. Uh, You know in East Palestine, and and you're one of the few programs that really went into depth about this, that 
disaster that happened with that Norfolk Southern train where greed was driving that train and it created this massive vinyl chloride conflagration. When the EPA came out and said the area was safe, that same lie uh, and misrepresentation from 9-11 haunted them and undermined their credibility. So I really think that we're not done with this. And if we, especially in the age where we're increasingly finding that we have to have officials be honest about the risk. Look, we saw with COVID what the price can be for distrust. We really do need to get to the bottom of this and be transparent. September 30th, 2001. September 30th, Giuliani said, the odor is really just from the fire and the smoke that continues to go on. It's monitored constantly and is not in any way dangerous. It is well below any level of problems in any number of ways in which you test it. I mean, and now 22 years later, 33,000 people have developed cancer. Right. And many of them have uh, multiple kinds of cancer. And the other thing, too, is that I, it's so important to, uh, to give us a sense of the optimistic thing is that the World Trade Center Health Program has prolonged lives of individuals because it does concentrate this expertise. And it is one of these programs where as people come into the program, then the uh, information base and understanding of the diseases uh, improves. That's why it's so important, I, I would hope, that they would remove this distinction they've made between first responders and survivors, because it has created this skewed thing where particularly the young women like uh, Lila Nordstrom, right? They're in their prime reproductive years. Don't we owe them the, the, the clearness of conscience of knowing that they have all the information they need. I just think that we need to revisit this and require that any any kid that was ordered back into the New York City schools be part of this program and not have to exhibit symptoms first. To me, that can be a death sentence, John. I, I completely agree. I want to talk about Across the River, Bob, because you wrote a great piece for Insider New Jersey called 9-11, the toxic cloud that lingers even west of the Hudson. And of course, there were 749 residents of New Jersey who were murdered that day and the attack on the Trade Center. And now over 10,000 first responders and survivors from Jersey are in the World Trade Center health program because they were exposed to this toxic air. When Christy Todd Whitman was first made Bush's uh, interior secretary, Administrator of EPA, right? Sorry, EPA. Forgive me. It's been a long time. But I remember there was a lot of really mean jokes about it. You know, oh, Jersey, and you're putting her in charge of the environment. And, and I thought it was kind of unfair. I, I had forgotten, Bob, over the years that Christy Todd Whitman was the one who came out and said that the air was safe three days after the attack. Right. And I mean, the other thing, too, is that, to I mean, she did apologize in 2016. She did. Uh, in a piece in The Guardian, which I cited in that piece. But it seems that she's still very much in denial about the consequences of letting the EPA be used by uh, the Bush administration for what was this crass commercial purpose. I mean, I guess, you know, I've even talked to some survivors um, and first responders who say, you know, it's important for us to uh, be in the mindset of what was happening right after the attack. The people that were working that pile, often looking for their own relatives, the first responders and, and the civilian survivors in Lower Manhattan, they were bracing themselves for a second attack. Yeah. The military perimeter that was established there made it like it was a war zone. Those fires burned until St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. And so I, I, I do think that we do need to account for that sense. But we also need to look at what was happening at the same time, that 
when we came out of that situation, the whole world was pulling for us. And our response over the last 20 years, as we've talked about many times on your show, one of the few places that you can talk about it, was this very wasteful further notice war on terrorism, which destabilized nation states and set off the greatest exactly. crisis since the Second World War. We squandered all of that goodwill. All the goodwill. I mean, we were the we were the bane of the world with within a couple of years. I I lived right out there at uh, the just below the World Trade Center in Independence Plaza in Tribeca, and I could not believe it when we were told to, that the air quality was fine. But I was even more outraged when we were told to go out shopping. Yeah, that's right. Stimulate the economy. I mean, Bob, what, what, do you, what do you mean by, um, you, you use this expression, a 911 cast system? Well, that, what that has to do with, as I said earlier, is that in that period of the very patriotic period, there was desire um, to lift up first responders. And I very much understand that. That's who I've been covering all these years. Yeah. And in that, there was a sense, well, if people came and volunteered or required to be there, that they should be uplifted. And then there was a concern about cost, as there so often is. And the thought was, well, for survivors, um, it'll be if they get sick. And that's how we'll split it. And so the thing is, though, you have to really understand the calumny of our own government here. And that's why I think making that distinction in retrospective did result. In, and I learned about this from talking to uh, Captain Brendan uh, uh, Berkman, who was the first um, uh, woman to integrate the New York City Fire Department, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She was one of few of 25 female firefighters who were working through all that. And she described that the knowledge and understanding about what they were experiencing in terms of their health was obscured because 90% of the people that were being focused on with these mandatory tests were men. And as right. so often is the case in our society, women get short trip. They, they, they rock the world. They make the world, uh, you know, turn the world. And yet when it comes to health care, they get the short end of the stick. And it's really true in the case of the 9-11 World Trade Center Health Program. They're now trying to make up for that. But I, I, I can't tell you how many people have passed because of that inequity. I mean, you're exactly right. And this might be the only time in history that men have seen a doctor more than women, because um, the first responder cohort in the World Trade Center health program includes 71,000 men and only 10,100 women. Right. And I'm really glad this is just not, was not discussed. I mean, I did my local program, BAI, on it this morning, but this is invisible. And that's the other thing that's so troublesome is the national narrative about this, if you watch, you know, uh, Sunday morning CBS, which I love and I love Mo Rocca, there was an homage to Michael Bloomberg mm -hmm. this past Sunday where it was all just about, you know, hero worship and about with no real sense that people are continuing to die every day as a consequence of this upside down priorities. And I, and I think that Combine that with the inability to look at the disaster that was the war on terrorism. I'm just concerned that we are cultivating the same blind spot through which those original planes through, uh, uh, flew through to the World Trade Center. And I, I don't want to live in a blind country. 
As you say in the piece, all these years later, there's still a lot that's not publicly known about what officials knew and when they knew it about the killer cloud that's still killing. There was no daylight between the Bush White House, the EPA and the city of New York when it came to the air being, quote, safe to breathe. I mean, was it just about the money all along, Bob? Was it just about? I would say it was. But also there is there was a sense that we were under attack. And so it was that alpha male that went tax toxic. And then this idea of the exploitation of it for political purposes and, you know, never wanting to have a catastrophic crisis go wasted. Mm-hmm. Let's focus this on all the oil nations we always wanted to have dominion over anyway. Yep, you're right. And at the end of the day, Iraq's strategic petroleum reserves were divvied up by the Bush administration into four separate oil companies. One British one, one French one, and two American ones. Kick their ass and take their gas. That was what happened. the way that God intended it? Bob, I'm curious. I've never asked you. What was your experience on 9-11? So I had just uh, gotten an ISDN ISDN line connected into my house in the woods in New Jersey. I was working for Pacifica Network News. Mm Mm-hmm. For uh, folks, which, for folks uh, who don't know, that's the broadcast radio from your home. I had to learn that during a pandemic. Go ahead. Right, right. And so I was just had done um, a, a thing for the national uh, network, a little short thing. And then because of the fact that our transmitter was on top of the very expensive Empire State Building, we didn't lose signal. And so I stayed on the air with our colleagues, Amy Goodman, Don Rush, Jose Santiago. We stayed on for three days. And then um, because the signal was uninterrupted, because, of course, WNYC and so many other uh, TV and radio stations lost their signal. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. WNYC, for those who don't know, is right there in downtown Manhattan, not far from uh, the NPR affiliate is right down there, not far from uh, from Ground Zero. What was your experience? Mine, mine was mine was um, not that interesting. I was in Los Angeles when it happened, and I was I slept in, and then I I actually had my I got a phone call, and I heard on my answering machine back then when you had answering machines and you could hear someone leave a message. Uh, Daryl Hammond from Saturday Night Live had called me to let me know he was okay, and it woke me up, and I thought, what's he talking about? And we turned on the radio, and right away, I mean. <laughs> saw what was going on and um we had to we were supposed to be in new york for a wedding and our flights were canceled so we we rented a car and drove in 60 hours from from la to uh manhattan uh two speeding tickets along the way and as i as i said earlier when we got there um it was still smoking and you know i I, no planes overhead no planes overhead and i knew I, i i drove through this country at a breakneck pace watching the country begin to freak out watching the lethal islamophobia flourishing through the midwest and you know, and I knew people who died that day. I, I knew Barbara Olson, the wife of the Solicitor General, who was on the plane that hit the Pentagon. I had debated her on Bill Maher's show a few times, and, and I, I was very friendly with her. And I, and it's the sort of thing that I still have a hard time making sense of it. I was... Where were you, running? I was living right down there and listening to Howard Stern, who said uh, there's an airplane in the uh, World Trade Center, and I didn't believe him so i went downstairs and by the time i got downstairs i felt the heat from the second plane 
and uh, it it was it was just horrifying. It, it I felt like uh, I was hallucinating or something yeah. because it it just seemed so surreal, and uh, and for and for so long there was this gray ash that covered everywhere uh, all of that area down there uh, in in Tribeca. Like every bill, every storefront that had an awning over it, the awning was like a Full. sack covered yes. in concrete ash of, of of the ashes and the smell. The smell was unlike anything I've ever smelled. Was persistent and, um, but the shock. Uh, the, the, I think that was. The, the one of the hardest things for me just feeling so vulnerable as uh, as an American just feeling like the, the the tragedy of it all was was just so frightening well and as a resident you were really a pioneer down there because back in those days it was not the residential teaming neighborhood it is today absolutely mm-hmm. yeah we, I when I moved down there there weren't even uh, traffic lights <laughs> yeah. down in, in the in that area right off the west side highway you know it, it's changed a lot now but there there was something very quaint and 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 neighborly about the area at that time it was you know it was fairly new but the tragedy did bring us together for a while it it, it did. brought new yorkers together and new yorkers stayed together yeah and then the new yorkers never bought bush new yorkers came together but we never fell for bush's mm-hmm. line Mm-hmm. Bob, on this on this very sad anniversary, it's amazing to me that after 22 years, it still feels very recent. Um, I just want to close by asking you, what's giving you hope? Well, I would say that the American labor movement and the response to the pandemic, I think that a, nothing like a, a mass death event to redefine the relationship between capital and labor. Uh, and yeah. I think that I'm seeing the energy of Chris Small organizing Amazon I see that um, there's this new generation stepping up um, who, who whose life is not defined by amassing material goods. And I think it scares the bejesus out of the power structure because this is not what rocks these kids. And I'm happy to see it. Bob, it's always a pleasure having you on our show. Um, what is the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with all your work? Well, at Stuck Nation, because we surely are. And every uh, uh, 7 a.m. on Mondays, it's Stuck Nation Labor Radio Hour. Brilliant. Uh, Bob, please come back very soon. I know you had a couple of pieces about uh, labor that we didn't get a chance to talk about, but I really thank you for sharing your memories and, and reminding us. Are you back us, in the studio now? I'm back in the, we're back in the studio one night a week here in New York. <laughs> they let us in one I'd night a week. To do that again. Well, come on up if you want to, you know, test the fates. Come up with me and Rhonda some <laughs> Monday night and we'll have a party. It's very good to hear from you, sir. Thank you so, so much for joining us. Thank you. Quick break. Rhonda, you're sticking around. We'll be right back with your calls. This is Progress. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. 
That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I'm John saying This is Progress. We're at 866-997-4748. Rhonda, it's so nice having you with us. I am just loving this experience, this uh, super duper to be in serious the, the experience. Totally empty building, the <laughs> horrifying. I was saying before, there's there's a kid on a big wheel riding down the hall and two scary <laughs> twins saying, Come play with us, Rhonda, forever <laughs> and ever. Normally it's just me and Thea here, and it's super creepy. So tonight I'm really happy to welcome some very special guests with us. Miss Handsome's already here. Frank Vignola is back. Yeah. You've been here not too long ago. About a month ago. About a month ago about before month I went ago. away. Yeah. Frank's an actor and a comic who's uh, just terrific. You've seen him on Comedy Central, NBC, Discovery Channel, Europe. He did Just for Laughs in Montreal with Bill Maher. He toured for our troops in the Middle East with Armed Forces Entertainment. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Uh, how are you doing? On the, Do you know that we already, it looks like the Aaron Rodgers era is already over with the Jets? He was injured during his first offensive series. Out of the game. Wow. Already. I had, I had no hurt idea. Hurt his leg. Had already no out of the game. It's awkward for me, Frank, because I, I don't like football, but I, I love head injuries. So <laughs> I, I never know where to come down. Uh, tell me about the Church of Satire. Okay. So, yeah. So um, this weekend, I will be at the Church of Satire in Hanover, Pennsylvania, recording an album. My album. Nice. Yeah, I'm very excited nice. about this. Uh, it's a beautiful place if you've never been I've there. I've never been and I love the name. Oh, it's it's really awesome and it's a, it's a, it's a beautiful a little, it's a nice, intimate, 50-seat club. And they do that thing like the tiny cupboard does where they have church pews instead of seats. I love it. You know, and a very modern art sort of, you know, if I knew art better, I could probably even tell you the <laughs> artist it was. But you know, very sort of, I Just wish make I, up a French-sounding name and impress the rubes like me. That's all you got to do. We're all Philistines here. It's absolutely, I'm, I'm so looking forward to this and I've waited so long to try and do something like this. And at first, I was really... And Rhonda, you're a comic, so and John, you are too. Yeah, at first I was thinking, I've got two nights, let me do two different hours. And then I went, you know what? No, I think I'm gonna try and get one hour. Mm. Yeah, because at first I'm like, let me get the primary hour, and then once I get that, you know, in the can, I'll do like the side B stuff. And now I'm looking at it and getting ready to go, and I'm going, you know what? I'm just looking at one hour. I but think. let's say the first show, you completely kill on a bit and you know you killed on a bit and you right. listen back to the tape and it's solid, it's right. tight. Yep. That, then then you don't need, you can do other stuff. Yes, then I can definitely do other stuff. And you know, I mean, you guys know about film editing and stuff. You get your cutaways with the audience laughing and clapping so you can, yeah. you know, in and out of breaks and stuff like that. So when the album comes out, we can listen for the edits is what you're saying. <laughs> you, can, you can listen for the edits and you can look for the subtle differences in clothing. You can be like, that shirt looks a little bit more wrinkled. That must be day two. <laughs> Because <laughs> that shirt looks a little more wrinkled, and and he look. Wait a minute, he was shaved in the first part, but he's not in the second part. Oh my god! So that has to be the Saturday taping. But yeah, this yes. is something that people actually. When when Bob Dylan did his Unplugged, the MTV executives were praying that he'd wear the same outfit, but right. no one had any idea because he's Dylan. Would he even be willing to wear the same outfit two nights in a row? Oh, well, this is my favorite part of this. You know, sometimes with comics, you have to tell them to do that. Yes, like they don't even realize. Oh, it's yeah. like no, you have to. Wear so you're the not just same recording thing. an album; you're filming a special. You're going to be on camera. This is amazing. I, you know, I mean, it. I, I don't want to make more out of it than it is, but it is very much the era of the plug and play and seeing Great. if you can film something is, and somebody's interested. But I'm, I'm looking at it. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it as a filming, 
But the recording aspect of it, there is something that appeals to me with the old school sort of like recording an album kind of a feel. Yeah. Uh, the film is nice too. And we're going to have great cameras there. And uh, do you know Mark Riccadonna? I sure do. Mark said, you know, he'll help me with the editing and he'll help me put it all together. He's a great guy. So it like- I wouldn't go that far. No, no. I mean, maybe he <laughs> so means I, well. But so I, mean, I am going to try not, and you know, sneak into it being a film, but it's almost <laughs> like I'm afraid if I say that I'll jinx it. So let's just go with that. But you know what? I'm excited <laughs> for you because that's something that you can just cross off your bucket list right. that you- you have you know started that process i right. just am so excited for you that's thank great you. Yeah. thank you and i want you and we well, i know we have to talk uh, other stuff going on but i want to talk to you both about being in the festival that i've got going on i want you both to be part of the good karma mid-atlantic regional comedy festival that we'll be doing in february but that's a whole different segment okay wow <laughs> february we're already, we're already to february i'm not ready for summer yet uh, i'm also excited because uh, a good friend of the show is here someone that i admire a lot who i haven't seen since before for the pandemic, but Nitha Khan's an independent journalist and a producer. She's worked in print and radio and TV. You may have read her stuff in Huffington Post, New York Daily News, Essence Magazine, uh, Associated Press, or The Grio, just to name a few. Nitha, welcome back. Thank you, John. I was going to say in the before times, you know, this is actually the very first time I've been up here since March 6, 2020. I remember the exact date. It was a Friday. I believe it was a Friday, and I did somebody else's show. Uh, we won't name who. Actually, he's a friend of the show. Show. But anyway, Who, so that Dean? was yeah, Dean yeah, Joe. <laughs> I've heard of him. He's all right. He, you know, again, he so means well, like Rick Yeah, you know? good, good old Dean. So that was the last time I was actually physically up here in the studio. So for me, it's exciting. I'm like, oh, this is great. It's exciting being back in here. It's exciting. Yeah, this 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 the I am legend. Walls. The I am yes. legend with the, just Will Smith and his fucking dog Oops. and no one else for yep, miles. Just yeah. us. All I need is you guys. Folks, right? it's empty here. I mean, you it guys came and tripled the population of of this floor. So thank you very much for being in here. It is empty. that you had a. You had a um, a thread today mm-hmm. on Twitter. I did about your experience in New York City mm-hmm. the day of nine eleven, and um, I, I I checked it out earlier, and I wonder if you might share a bit of what your day was like. Sure. As a, as speaking as the as the only Muslim uh, journalist in the room, what was your experience on that day twenty two years ago? You know, it's always weird um, to just talk about this day in general because. Obviously, so much horrific stuff happened. And first and foremost, you know, thoughts and prayers to all the families that lost loved ones on that day. You know, thousands of innocent people that died. Um, A good friend of mine actually worked in, I think, the second tower on a very high floor. I think it might have been in the 80s. And he somehow made it out. He and his co-worker made it out. And they actually carried another co-worker who was injured all the way down those flights of stairs. And, you know, I included that in my thread because he... Interestingly enough, so he's half black, half Chinese, but somehow looks South Asian. So ever since 9-11, he has continuously been profiled wherever he goes. And to me, that is the craziest dichotomy when you think about it. You survived this horrific terrorist attack only to be profiled in your own country, wherever you travel. Every time he got on the subway, his backpack was searched. Every time he got on a plane, he was always pulled to the side. I mean, for years and years, it probably still happens 
happens till this day. I'm not sure I haven't had this conversation with him in a while, but that's just one dynamic of this horrible, horrible day. And I started my thread off with that and sort of, you know, it just went into everything that happened after 9-11, the demonization of the Muslim community, the rise in hate crimes, the surveillance programs. You talk about Patriot Act, NSA surveillance, and how so many people were okay with this under the guise of getting terrorists. And then the whole war on terror that went on from there. And not to mention an entire media apparatus that sold this to people too. Remember the Iraq war in 2003, you had mainstream outlets, you had the New York Times, you had all of these places oh, yeah. that literally were just serving as mouthpieces. Well, I mean, do you have any idea how good war is for ratings? Nida? Come on now. Yeah, be, unfortunately. Be see, it, see it from the other way. For unfortunately, exactly. That's it's what it, TV crack. It, that's what it came down to for ratings, for money, and also war profit. And I know you yep. tweeted about this today, you know, yeah. about defense contractors and all these people that have made so much money off of war. And you had, see, and it's so horrible that thousands of innocent people died on this day. And then subsequently in the years after, in the 20 plus years, you had millions of people that have innocent people that have died around the world from the war on terror yeah you know i mean biden pulled us out of out of afghanistan but what did we do in those 20 years and what about all those we spent innocent a lot civilians of money trillions of dollars trillions and trillions of dollars yeah. and i you know and i talked about you know with the anti-muslim sentiment you had politicians that use that till this day to get elected into office even donald trump well let's talk about that because obviously bush got a lot of praise at the time for not being an islamophobe and so talking about how we uh, Muslims are our friends. Then he went and slaughtered 900,000 of them mm-hmm. in Iraq and caused the rise of ISIS. But, you know, Bush seems like Gandhi compared to the guy who ran for office promising a full ban on Muslims it's, entering the country. You're right. It's crazy that there's never been any accountability, right? With Bush, Cheney, Rumsfeld, no. the whole entourage. And I said this, I may have even said this on your show one time, that all was forgiven because Bush gave Michelle Obama a piece of candy. No, all was and forgiven. Like, no, 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 no. Pa- all was forgiven. somewhere. All was forgiven because Donald Trump made Bush look good. Just like Bush made That's his true. father, Bush made his father look like look a great good. president. You're Donald right. Trump made Bush look like Obi-Wan. Frank? Why yeah. does nobody ever follow this back to the thread of this is all because of a 5-4 conservative Supreme Court decision that denied the presidency to Gore and gave it to Bush because if Gore had been president, even if 9-11 had happened, our response would have been entirely different. Exactly mm-hmm. right. It would not have mm-hmm. destroyed the world. Why does nobody take it back to yeah. that decision? One conservative oh, Supreme I was Court saying. justice making the difference, literally destroying the universe. Yeah. Literally yeah. destroying the universe. And it's amazing that there was no insurrection that happened after that, right? When they literally stole an they election. Yeah, stole yeah. an election. Yeah. And again, it was and it was Clarence Thomas's vote who was appointed by a president who opposed the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And all this crazy stuff with Trump who cl- makes all these claims. They actually did do eventually a recount and showed that Gore would have won in Florida. He probably would have. With the, with the hanging chads thing. Probably would have. That he would have. Mm-hmm. That he would have bothered- if they had extended it long enough, he would have mm-hmm. won. What bothered me was this... Uh- Theater, this political theater that went on, the the, the profiling, exactly. like you say, mm-hmm. and uh, trying to uh, to travel. I mean, the whole change in in what we did at the airlines, and and it it really had almost nothing to do with that horrific 
day. Correct. Absolutely. I even included that in my thread that uh, I think it was a couple months after 9-11, my family and I were flying to Canada on Continental Airlines, which no longer exists. That's I really right. feel old. Mm-hmm. But, um, well, they still but, exist. Yeah, they but they were merged into American, you, I think. United. Or United. 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 Okay. Yeah. They, so, United kept their logo, mm, and then they took the Continental logo and kept their own name. Go ahead. Got it. Okay. So it was Continental Airlines at a Newark airport, and they, you know, my dad's name was quote unquote red flagged, and then we were pulled yep. to the side. All of our luggage was pulled to the side and they kept us for so long we ended up missing our flight and then of course they lost our luggage a family too, with kids a family, a family with, kids. with kids I mean we're literally there's four of us right so it was like me my three siblings and my parents and that's that's just one you know minor incident but still annoying and still profiling but there were actual people that were murdered, murdered right? in hate it. attacks I remember I interviewed I used to be a staff writer for this paper in New Jersey and I interviewed a woman whose husband was murdered in in Texas, I think, and he wasn't even Muslim. He was Sikh, but you know, oh, that's it's the that, thing. That's yeah. not the thing too. The people who were so stupid, God they didn't even the know who were how Sikh to recognize the people. Yep. They were fu- about, stupidly exactly. hating. Exactly. Yes. How about every hack comic you've ever seen every in your life comic. do a bad Middle Eastern joke, and they're doing an Indian accent I when they're never trying. Forget. To like, no. you know, comedy, quote unquote, do the act. You, you, when you think about how comedy horrible. clubs can be toilets, right? How some comedy clubs wow. can just be sewers. And Terrible. I just heard some of the most vulgar, disgusting, hmm. bigoted material. And all too often, majority white audiences eating it up. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, a- absolutely. Yeah. And but. Let's not even just talk about comedy clubs. Look at the direction that Bill Maher is going and, well, all, and that's all of different. his success. That's different. Bill Maher, Bill Maher is, I, Bill, listen, Bill Maher is a liberal when it's a conservative in the White House, and he's a contrarian libertarian when it's a Democrat. That's just his shtick. But I do think that I, I was talking on, okay. with the show, at the top okay. of the show, how 9-11 to me is still very much a current event. There, it's still affecting us in so many ways. Absolutely. There are still 40% of the human remains they recovered have not yet been identified. Yeah. Thousands of people still have never had a funeral for a body part of the I think family. they just identified two people on two Friday. Two people just last yeah. week. Just yeah. last week. We were talking with Bob Henley in the last hour about all the first responders who are still struggling with the health effects from what happened. And let's not leave out the fact how long it takes to go through an airport now. I mean, George mm-hmm. Carlin said before 9-11, airport security is there to give white people the illusion of safety. Mm-hmm. But I mean, when you look at one jerk off in London, in England, who was thinking about making a liquid bomb, never made a liquid bomb. And mm-hmm. that's why no one's been allowed to bring a damn bottle of water through a TSA checkpoint for 20 years. Right. Right. We're still and we do all these things to save American lives. I have to we have to racially profile. We have to invade Iraq. We, we, we have to make the airport line. We're trying to save American lives. Right. And but, actually you say, the- but, but if you say, hey, can mm-hmm. we have universal health care? Maybe to save American lives. Hey, maybe wear a mask during a during a plague to save. No, then it's tyranny. But they were also warned about this. This, mm-hmm. they, it, it wasn't like it was a totally unknown event. It was, August 9th, 2001, yeah. bin Laden determined to attack U.S. in the presidential daily briefing it. and Bush went golfing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. There we go. So we've solved it. Were you in the city that day, Frank? I was in the city that day. My mom was visiting me. Oh, no. And so my mom was, I think... I think I hadn't even woken up yet. And my mom had like woken up and she had the TV on and she was like dumbfounded. She like, and she could barely get me to barely be like, oh my God, look at what's happening. And I remember looking at the TV and watching it all happen. And and you're kind of thinking, 
there's some aspect of it that's like not even real. Like that's in the way some I felt. Sort it, of was, shock. it was surreal. I'm, and then mm-hmm. you know when it got real, when it really started to, when they opened the subway back up and you were on the end train in Astoria and you were on the elevated line and you're going around that curve to go to the Queensboro Plaza, and you would see what used to be right. the World Trade Center and right. the plumes of the smoke, smoke the, for the smoke. like six weeks, weeks or something. It was, it, was it was probably even longer than six weeks. I probably just I, I probably just horribly undercut it. But just those plumes yep. of smoke, that was the thing that every day you were mm-hmm. and just like the media couldn't cap like the TV couldn't capture how quiet it was yeah. during the pandemic like how empty the streets were during the pandemic the news media could never capture it and the news media could never capture what it was like to be on the streets of the city yeah. after that attack. even if like something i remember i was walking down like 25th street a week after and something fell on the ground like i think a construction some item fell really loud and everybody just jumped and turned around so there was this constant fear that was going on and Ooh. it was a very eerie weird time and i said this in my thread too like in some ways people were were nicer than ever like they sure. were going out of oh, their way to say hello yep. and being really kind to one another and then in other ways it was the most racist stuff that blatantly yeah. happened like somebody spit on the ground towards me I got on the six train going uptown a woman with a hijab got on this guy started yelling I said something then he told me to go back to where I came from you know just stuff like yep. that that happened on a regular consistent yep. basis and I genuinely worried about my parents and people that are visibly immigrants right and there was such a fear in the broader community Community. Yeah. So in the Muslim community, South Asian community, anybody that was basically an immigrant or deemed an other. And I remember people were putting up all these flags all over the place, mm-hmm. trying to, you know, show their patriotism and say, we're not part of that. And yeah. it was just sad that they felt the need to do that. And there was so much stuff that went on. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think these disasters, be it COVID or 9-11, bring out the best in some people and the worst mm-hmm. in other people. But what I remember, it, we had a lot of phone booths back then. Mm-hmm. And every phone booth was covered with xeroxed flyers Mm -hmm. with photographs on them for our missing loved ones like everywhere in the subways every outside st vincent's hospital it was just Mm -hmm. thousands and thousands of pieces of paper with photographs of people saying have you seen him have you seen her but but the amazing thing also too is the hatred that you were talking about having experienced Trump and Giuliani were both here during that time. And isn't it interesting that they both tried to harness that same hatred during COVID? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, they, that's, that's the paradigm. That's the game plan, right? Bush, Bush it's harnessed about the hatred. The, it's about the other. They it's all, about the other. Yep, they all harnessed it and Trump took it to another level and it helped him get elected. You know, when he called for that total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the country in 2015, yes. that's when I knew that he was going to win. I was like, he, because I listened to what, you know, I watch Fox News. I, listen to what these folks say and what people you know how they behave out there and to me that was a clear sign that he was going to get into office he was not only going to get their nomination but that he was going to win and once he got into office the very first thing he did was that executive order banning Muslims which uh, which which was shut down except in countries where he had hotels Right. Yeah. Where he had well, he didn't. He didn't ban countries. the Saudis. Yeah. He didn't ban except the Saudis. Which never made any sense. Yes, except in Middle Eastern countries where he had financial. It makes, it makes perfect sense. Why? Yeah. Because he was using the bigotry to get power. He didn't give a rat's ass about keeping Americans safe, and he proved that time and time again. And and they've all done this to their advantage, right? Like if you think about when that whole quote unquote ground zero mosque fiasco was of happening, course. that was during the 2010 midterms. So that they was created the, that this was the Benghazi of 2010. That was the Hunter Biden's laptop and the Hillary. 
Hillary's emails of 2010. Exactly. They the created, island of misfit smears. You're absolutely right. And it right. goes away as soon as the election's over. It's the all The day gone. Trump exactly. was sworn in, you never heard a Republican mention Benghazi again. Yep. Same, same thing with the Ground with Zero the, Mosque. Same thing with the Ground Zero Mosque. Which, by the way, which, wasn't a Ground Zero and wasn't a mosque. And what, yeah, right. It was supposed to be like the Muslim version of a uh, YMCA yeah. type of thing. like a cultural center. Exactly. Yeah. A cultural center. Exactly. And I went down there and covered those protests. And I remember Me standing too. in the middle of that madness and people saying all this stuff about Muslims right to my face. Oh, I remember Westboro Baptist Church down there and yep. the cops had to defend, had to protect them. Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So they use this time and again when it comes to election time, when it comes to getting people elected into office. You know, it's like Sharia law is coming, the Muslims, the Muslims. But to me, what bothers me even more, you expect that from politicians like that and folks on the right. But it's when the mainstream does it is and normalizes it, that's what yeah. really bothers me. You know, when you have those mainstream outlets and you have people giving, you know, folks like Trump a platform and other right-wingers a platform and bringing them to that mainstream level, that's where I have a serious issue. And you know, it's ironic that we're right across the street from Fox News. Fox (laughs) News got its prominence by demonizing Muslims. They started in 96 or whatever, and they skyrocketed Roger Ailes and all of them. Let's be fair. Let's be fair. They they always have to find a new, hot, marginalized minority Mm -hmm. that they can scapegoat. Because, you know, (laughs) y'all know what I'm talking about. I mean, after Muslims, it went back to being undocumented immigrants. And now it's trans people and trans trans children and trans soldiers. And it's like, as soon as they can find a way to get elected by tapping into that American Mm -hmm. xenophobic hatred of other, the trans people will be fine. They'll pick a new group to scapegoat. I'm not going to let you forget black people. We're always on the I did not forget. I think I acknowledged. (laughs) And also, didn't Bush originally like uh, ride the coattails of like anti-gay marriage stuff? Of course. Bush Bush got got elected. Bush got re-elected because oh, they, re-elected. Made, they made yeah. marriage equality will be a mm-hmm. threat to traditional marriage. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was the entire 2004 campaign because there were no fucking WMDs. Everyone knew they'd been lied into war by then, but he right. scared them. Again, went for the bigotry of the gays getting married, and somehow that's going to threaten your heterosexual marriage if you allow these people to be happy. And it worked mm-hmm. for it's a also, while because bigotry always works for a for while. A while. Yeah. It's also interesting to see how people end up in the positions that they're in because I mean I may I don't think I know these cast of characters as well as you guys do but you look at somebody like Colin Powell and he seemed to me to be like a very intelligent person of integrity and the whole nine yards but he was the one that like yeah. did mm-hmm. the dirty work sure was. to yeah. get it done and it's yep. like how does that happen he because, fell on yeah. his sword yeah, yeah. He followed <laughs> orders yeah. they picked a guy they knew would follow orders yeah and he and, went up there and lied and he to his credit is the only one who apologized mm-hmm. Condoleezza mm-hmm. Rice Dick Cheney and George W. Bush deserve to be in jail. So do you ever mm-hmm. wonder when they're doing it? Is it cognitive dissonance or do they know they're lying with That's somebody a like that? Great I, question. Speaking as someone who understands religious cults. Yeah. When you believe in your heart that you're on the side of the true God and anyone opposing you is Satan. Right. Lies don't matter. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fighting for God here. I, I've got to say whatever I can say to keep my white family safe. So it, it's not even bullshitting. It's religious. Fervor. Yeah, And it literally, I mean, their mantra was us versus them. That's it. That's literally what it was. Right. And that's what it boiled down to. It really bothered me about Colin Powell because he up until that time, he had had an 
extraordinary reputation. He could and have run in 2000 as a Democrat and won. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He could have run as a, because he was pro-choice, so he never would have been allowed to run as a Republican, but he could have run as a Democrat and been elected president. And he just besmirched his entire legacy. And he knew it. That. He knew it. And I love your religious cult analogy because now politics is a new religion. I mean, that's yeah. how everybody, mm-hmm. it's so tribal now that Republican Democrat is really a religious feeling like in your bones kind of thing now it's no longer like a a a decision based on research or whatever people are now literally Mm -hmm. people will like date someone who's of a different religion but won't date somebody who's of a different political party yeah right you know it's it's it it is the new religion this is the being a democrat or republican i think is the new religion i'll be nice to people who are trump supporters i won't hate them if they need a if they need bone marrow or blood donation or a kidney i'm here but, or a kick in the head. <laughs> no, I'm not going to kick him in the head. Not going to kick him in the head. Uh, but you know what? I'm I'm not going to give him an orgasm. Not going to do it. Sorry. We have a lot of folks on hold. I want to. I want. <laughs> Don't give orgasms to Trump supporters, people. That's going to be the takeaway from the show. Really simple. No, That's the takeaway from the show album. is: Don't give orgasms to fascists in general. Mm-hmm. Don't fuck Bush supporters. Don't fuck Al Qaeda people. Don't fuck. Mm-hmm. Don't have. Don't give orgasms to authoritarians. Well, there goes my Friday and my Saturday. Thank you. Uh, We have a lot of people on hold, and I want to get to a few, including Bill from New Jersey, who was uh, telling us about his recollection of 9-11. Bill, I'm sorry we had to hit a break, but thank you for waiting on hold. So please get back to, bring bring us back to speed. So you were bringing all these supplies Supplies, that day. Talking to me? Yeah. Yeah. Welcome back. No, I'm the, I'm somebody else. Oh, I'm sorry. You're Bill in New Jersey. Hang on. Bill in New Jersey. Call back. It's another Bill in New Jersey. You're the Bill in New Jersey. South Jersey, Bill. I'm so sorry. I'm still here. That's okay. The other Bill can call back. He knows the number. So uh, thanks for waiting, Bill. (laughs) Too many Bills in Jersey. We parked a trailer in Secaucus uh, that they had a group that was going to unload it. And my daughter, who was an athlete, Allie Hartman, she was at Columbia and she asked, would you please bring stuff over? So we loaded the cab. You're not allowed to drive a trailer into the city at the time. Right. Came down over the GW around 135th Street. You could, I said, what the hell's that smell? And the driver said, that's oh, it. that's the pile. Yeah. And so you could smell it all the way uptown north of Harlem. Yeah. Anyway, we get to the campus. We unload the stuff that we had in the cab, whatever the vitals that they needed. And they, they took it and moved it forward to get down to campus. It was like 11 o'clock at night. Wow. I'll also just say to you that uh, I started volunteering after that, at the Victim Witness Center at Liberty State Park on Saturdays and then at and Christmas, the week of Christmas, except for the holidays. And then my district, what I was doing, they allowed 37 counselors and social workers from our district. We're a big, you know, big district, 10,000 kids. 37 social workers and counselors were permitted on three different days to take school buses up to Liberty State Park, and yep. we worked each day at that those sites with people who were there who were That's seeking great. help for from FEMA, mortgage, insurance, health care, everything. Bill, and we did that throughout the... Uh, and I thank you for January. your service. I, I, I thank you so much for your service and for waiting on hold, Bill. I, I appreciate it. And it goes back to, you know, these disasters do bring out the best in some of us and the worst in some of us incredible acts of kindness and charity and then uh, a war on Iraq which but killed a million why people. does a private citizen have to be doing these things when we really needed the government to pull this together uh, around uh, equipment 
I mean, yeah. it, it really showed how, what a poor state our, our emergency equipment but was while, in. What, but right. like this bill, bill in South Jersey was doing this at the same time the government was lying to all of us that the air was safe. Right. Three days. Mm-hmm. Christy Ta waited, yep. waited three days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Remember the firefighters and police, they couldn't even communicate with each other. Radios. On that day, right? Out. Exactly. The worst equipment. And um, I want to go back real quick to you were talking about Giuliani and Trump, right? So Giuliani, quote unquote, America's mayor, which I just want to say for a lot of people of color, he was never America's mayor. But anyway, so he, remember, let's not forget, he tried to stay in power and stay in office after 9-11. You know, what did he say? He wanted a quote-unquote continuation of whatever power or normalcy, whatever his phrase was. He was losing it by then. He tried, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's the one who gave, who helped stoke that idea with Trump, you know, as he is one of his advisors. He probably... I'm Don't sure forget, his, he was him. also such a wreck in his personal life. He had to drop out of running for Senate against Hillary Clinton. He mm-hmm. was that much of a yard sale. Before the break, mm-hmm. Bill in New Jersey, I just hung up on you before, and I'm so sorry. Welcome back. That's okay. You know, the thing about Jersey City is that uh, it's not that it ha- has a, a Muslim population, a very small one, but it's overwhelmingly uh, East Indian Hindu people that live in Jersey City. Hmm. Patterson is where most of the there's a, no. There's actually a lot of Muslims in Jersey City too. There's a lot of Pakistanis oh, yeah? um, that are there. Yeah, absolutely. There's this one street in particular. I forgot the name of it, mm-hmm. but it's nothing but a whole bunch of Pakistani stores. I got to look up oh. the Avenue. Now you got me thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, we got to hit a break anyway, Bill. I thank you for the call. We'll be right back. You guys can stick around. Uh, We're at 866-997-4748. When we come back, we'll have a lightning round and let all you guys make your points on the phone really quick. Nitha and Frank and Rhonda, thanks for being here. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. God bless Peter Tosh, who also died on September 11th. Just not that September 11th. He was ahead of the curve. Legalize it. Who would have known on 9-11 all the changes that would happen? Some of them good. Mm-hmm. We're putting a lot fewer people in prison for that. Rhonda Handsome, it is so nice having you with us on a Monday night and to see your beautiful face in person. What is the best way for our audience of Riff Raff to keep up with you and all your doings? I want the Riff Raff to keep yes. up with me and actually come out to the West Side uh, Comedy Club. Tell me about this show. What a lineup. I'm going to be there with Carol Montgomery and Jay McBride uh, and uh, Felicia Madison. Uh, Elizabeth Croydon is doing an ERA show that uh, is going to just be fantastic. It's going to be funny and it's going to be a push to 
get that published. Get that. I think in, Jay is the nice. first trans woman to ever play Madison Square Garden. Oh well, and, mm-hmm. and this and this show too. Jay is going to be she's there. She's great. And uh, and I also want people to uh, check out my social media because I'm also uh, directing readings on Monday of. Dust of Egypt, uh, a play that was in the New York Festival. We're looking for investors. So uh, there are readings available and they can check out Rhonda Handsome on Twitter at Rhonda Handsome, like a handsome man without the D. Well, you don't need the D, baby. And, uh, <laughs> and get their tickets and information about those shows. Thank you so much. Miss Nithikon, it is so nice to have you back. It's oh, so Thank great you so to much. See you again. I'm so happy to see you in real life, well, in person, and you as well. That's not something I hear much. But wonderful it, to meet you. Uh, no, yeah, no, one, no one says that to Frank. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm what? happy to see Frank in person. What? I'm happy to see Frank in person. <laughs> no, it's but you great. know, no, and I'm, I'm honored that on this day that you would come here and share your experience experience as a Muslim American on that day. I really do appreciate it because, you know, that thread, like, I didn't mean to do a thread this morning. It just sort of came out. Good. You know, because you're just thinking about this stuff and I ended it on a sad note just talking about, like, all the anti-Muslim hysteria and anti-immigrant stuff and how that even contributed to my dad's death and, you know, it's Yeah, it's quite a thread. How how do we follow you to read this? So it's on, I hate to plug Twitter or X or whatever it is. No, no, we dead dead name here. We dead name (laughs) websites. Before the Saudis pump 44 billion into Bill, apartheid yeah. brat face's pocket. You're right. You're right. So Twitter, it's uh, at Nithakhan NY. So it's N-I-D-A-K-H-A-N-N-Y. Thank you. And it's still it's still Twitter on the App Store. Yes, it is. Thank you. Um, and is that <laughs> Thank is you there so a much. place we go to follow all your writings? Um, so I don't have one cohesive place yet. Actually, I will soon, but I'm kind of all over the place, so I'm still freelancing, so it's no everywhere. So but whenever I do a piece, I do tweet it out. So hopefully there'll be something soon. Frank Vignola, I wish I could come to Pennsylvania. Tell everyone about how they can see you at the Church of Satire. Okay, so it's this weekend, Friday and Saturday. We will be filming and recording both nights, eight o'clock show. And the easiest way to get there is it's in Hanover, Pennsylvania. And the a website uh, for the club is Church of Satire Comedy Club. It's just that simple. Just awesome. that straightforward. I'm so excited to see the special. How can our listeners follow you? Uh, well, I'll tell you right, right now, I'm kind of on a YouTube kick. So Frank Vignola Comedian on YouTube. And then Inst- I don't do Twitter anymore, but Instagram. I it, noticed. It's Frank underscore Vignola underscore comedy. But I'm much more into the YouTube thing these days. Brilliant. Guys, thank you so much for being My here. Pleasure. I'm thank really, you so much. It's really nice thank to actually know. have people here in the building uh, at night when it's empty and scary. Uh, we got to go. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Thea. I'm John Fugelsang. Keep it tuned to SiriusXM Progress. Peace. Peace.